charge a 33-year-old man and a 32-year-old woman with one count of murder. Police arrested the pair on Friday following the death of a one-year-old girl in Pat Hung. The case will be mentioned at Fanling Magistrates Courts later this morning. You're listening to the news on RTHK. An international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. Good morning, it's 8.03 in Hong Kong on Monday the 6th of June. I hope you enjoyed the long weekend. This is Peter Lewis, back with Money Talk on Radio 3. The US Labor Department's closely watched jobs report, released on Friday, showed non-farm payrolls rose by 390,000 jobs in May, below the previous month's total of 436,000. It was the slowest jobs growth since April 2021. Wages advanced 5.2% year-on-year, in line with expectations, and slightly slower than the 5.5% pace registered in April. And the unemployment rate held steady at 3.6% for the third month in a row. On Sunday, U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo said that President Joe Biden has asked his team to look at the option of lifting some tariffs on hundreds of billions of dollars of Chinese goods that were put into place by former President Donald Trump to combat surging inflation. She told CNN that the administration had decided to keep some of the tariffs on steel and aluminium to protect U.S. workers and the steel industry, but tariffs on other products, such as household goods, bicycles, etc., may be lifted. Inflation in South Korea has surged by the most in almost 14 years. The consumer price index rose 5.4% in May year-on-year, surpassing economists' forecasts of 5.1%. President Yoon Suk-yeol on Friday warned of a looming economic crisis. And Shanghai has warned of a resurgence of Omicron after community infections of COVID-19 in the city reappeared. 13 community infections have been reported since the city exited a former lockdown on the 1st of June, sending some residents back into quarantine. The city's health commissioner, Wu Jinglai, told a press briefing on Sunday that the community infections we spotted in recent days were scattered across the city and likely to trigger a resurgence of the outbreak. We must be highly alert to transmission risk. He said a resurgence could upend livelihoods and disrupt business again. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Iris Pang from ING Wholesale Banking and Sam Viver at Mandarin Capital. With a view from mainland China is Yanan Wu, Chairman of Shenguang Bao. And the ways in which you can get in contact are by texting 6393 5925, emailing Money Talk at rthk.hk, or on Facebook, Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3, and on Twitter at Money Talk Radio 3. Radio US stocks fell on Friday after the jobs report. The S&P 500 fell 1.6% on the day to 4,109, leaving it with a weekly loss of 1.2%. The US benchmark index has fallen in eight of the last nine weeks. And as that composite declined 2.5% to 12,013 and gave up 1% for the week, the Dow fell 349 points, or 1.1% to 32,900. For the week, it was down 0.9%. 
Shares of electric vehicle maker Tesla fell 9.2% after Reuters reported CEO, CEO Elon Musk telling staff that he had a super bad feeling about the economy and that the firm may need to cut about 10% of its salaried workforce. A message sent to executives on Thursday laid out his concerns and he told them to pause all hiring worldwide. The Pan-European Stock 600 index fell by a third on Friday for a weekly loss of 0.9%. UK markets were closed Thursday and Friday for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Last week, the FTSE 100 lost 0.7%. And Chinese markets were closed on Friday for the Dragon Boat Festival. Brent crude oil this morning is at $121.46 a barrel. OPEC and its allies on Thursday reached an agreement to accelerate oil production in July and August to call a crude price rally that's threatened to stall the global economy. Copper surged to a six-week high amid signs of lockdowns easing in China. And gold is at $1,852 an ounce. US government bonds came under pressure following the jobs report with a yield on the 10-year Treasury notes rising three basis points to 2.94%. And the US dollar index moved a third of a percent higher. The euro this morning trading around $1.07. The bucks at 130.8 Japanese yen. One British pound buys $1.25 and nine Hong Kong dollars and 80 cents. The Chinese yuan is at 6.65 versus the dollar in offshore markets this morning. And Bitcoin is at $29,900. Around Asian stock markets, the ASX 200 in Australia, uh, that's down about 0.1% not long after the open. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is off about 0.4%. Markets in South Korea were closed for a public holiday and futures markets pointing to a rally of about 90 points for the Hang Seng at the Open this morning. Let's welcome our guests. We have with us Iris Pang, Chief Greater China Economist at ING Wholesale Banking. Morning, Iris. Morning, Peter. And also with us, Sam Viver, Chief Executive Officer at Mandarin Capital. Let's start uh, with that U.S. jobs report, which was released on Friday. Non-farm payrolls rose by 390,000. That was below the previous month's total of 436,000, but did exceed expectations of 325,000 was the slowest jobs growth since April 2021. Uh, wages grew 0.3% month on month. That was the same as in April, but below expectations of 0.4%. Year on year, wages advanced 5.2% in line with expectations, slowing slightly from high 5.5% registered in April. And the unemployment rate, that held steady at 3.6% for the third month um, in a row. Iris, what, what do you make of this? It seems that employers, they still keep managing to add jobs, don't they, after all this time, albeit maybe at a, a slower pace now? Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think the U.S. economy is very strong right now, um, having all the disruption internationally from semiconductors to logistics, it still can hold up this well. I, I think the economy fundamentals is actually good. Do you see anything at all in that jobs report uh, that's going to change the path for the Fed, which 
we seem to be expecting in their June and July meetings uh, 50 base, basis point rate increases in both of them. Anything to change their minds, you think, on that in either direction? I don't think so because um, that is only one data point. This. And the other thing is that um, Biden seems to be adding pressure on the Fed to curb inflation and therefore a 50 basis point hike is actually in the cards. So the, the fact that wage growth is moderating, is that, that's good news, isn't it, for, for those that are worried about inflation? It's good and also at the uh, on the other hand it's also bad for for the um, workers because mm -hmm. it means that their real wage is actually falling. Sam, what do you think? I mean, this is right, isn't it? The, the U.S. economy just seems to keep going. It keep, the people are uh, employers are adding jobs, consumers just keep on spending, albeit by now they are dipping into their savings. Well, I think the reality is the job market is very, very tight in the U.S. I mean, we're still at three point six percent, and a lot of vac vacancies still unfilled. So, in any cases, the consumption and demand are obviously up there and still growing. So. My view on this is the uh, we're ve those strong numbers, if anything, are still very inflationary. So I wouldn't be surprised if that would, um, you know, drive the Fed to keep on tightening at a relatively aggressive, pa aggressive pace, given mm -hmm. that uh, the real rates are still, you know, fairly benign. But there are some signs around, aren't there, of the economy maybe uh, slowing or even running out of steam. We had the Institute of Supply Management Services Index that fell to the weakest level in two years. Um, uh, home home purchases are slowing as well now, down at the slowest pace in about nine years. So signs that these interest rate rises are starting to have an effect. There is, on the, as you mentioned, on the home on the home side, but still the inflation expectations are still very high. So that's where the Fed has to uh, walk a very thin line. And my view is they've been so late in terms of tightening, they don't really have the choice. Uh, the primary mandate is still to have uh, and maintain stable prices, and they're very far from having achieved that. Mm. And we still have those ongoing disruptions on the supply chains, so that's still putting pressure, and that's completely independent from the uh, the consumption in the U.S. and really from the Fed policy. So they, I don't think we'll have the choice. Iris, it's an important week because we've got the U.S. inflation data coming out on Friday. If the Fed was to start pausing maybe in September and slow down the pace of rate hikes, what does it need to see? Are you seeing signs that maybe inflation is peaking and is starting to come off? Or is it just not fast enough? We just need to see a much more rapid uh, decline in inflation. The first thing is much more uh, fast decline in inflation, but I, I don't see this uh, coming. Um, actually, uh, adding adding rate hikes uh, does not really have a very immediate impact. So you you hike for three months, and then you you won't see inflation coming down after three months. It's not the it's not that how how it plays, and therefore we have to wait a little bit longer. And usually that case, the Fed will hike more than it was it is necessary because the the impact. The, the results are actually lagging, so um, we we may then see some uh, weakness in the economy, but may not be this year. Sam, if it doesn't come down fast enough, we already had last week some Fed officials talking about September. Now we may have to have uh, fifty basis point rate hikes in September as well, and maybe beyond that. 
Yes, most likely. I mean, we, as I think we're far from being neutral on the interest rate cycle. And even 50 basis points by high by historical standard is not something which is massive given the still very accommodative environment across the planet because there's not mm -hmm. only the Fed, there's also the other central banks. So there's still a lot of cash out there for, for investing and playing around. <clears throat> Okay, let's turn our attention to uh, China. Shanghai has warned of a resurgence of Omicron after community infections of COVID-19 in the city reappeared. 13 community infections have been reported now since the city exited a formal lockdown on the 1st of June. That sent some residents back into quarantine. The city's health commissioner told a press briefing yesterday that community infections were spotted across the city and likely to trigger resurgence of the outbreak. And we must be highly alert to transmission risk. And he said a resurgence could upend livelihoods and disrupt business again. I suppose, um, Iris, we're at a crucial point, aren't we? Because this was always going to happen, wasn't it? Once lockdowns were lifted, people started travelling again on buses and uh, subways, went back to work. We were going to see a surge in cases. I suppose the key thing is, what do they do next? Do they start reimposing these lockdowns or do they do what Hong Kong has been doing um, and, and trying to resist that? I think they are doing a very different approach. They are testing more frequently, more regularly to try to spot the infection chain. So they found 13 community cases now and then they put them into quarantine trying to stop the infection chain. And this is what other cities are also doing. Um, doing this as early as possible can avoid lockdowns again. But I, in my forecast, I don't rule out um, further lockdowns uh, or a return of lockdowns in Shanghai or Shenzhen. I think that's also possible. Can the economy cope with that in Shanghai? Um, they need more fiscal stimulus if, in that case. I mean, if there is uh, a second lockdown, that they, they need a, a massive stimulus from local government as well as from the central government. They've already been offering that, haven't they? But the problem is, if you're in lockdown, it's, it's pretty well of no use. You can't go out and spend. You're, if you're a business, you don't want more loans or handouts. You just want to be able to reopen. Yeah, true. But for businesses, they also want to hang on to the business. So what they are offering is that uh, rent-free period. And but on the other hand, they are the the local government also requires the businesses to keep wages um, handing to the workers, and the government subsidizes some or or all of that. But this whether this can continues. Um, Longer, I, I I have a question because um, although other parts of the economy is actually lowering their debts, this part of the economy, meaning government, is actually rising debts. Mm. Sam, what, what do you make of this? We seem to be at a, a crucial point once again, don't we, in, in Shanghai. We've now got uh, community infections increasing again. Uh, the government's got to decide what, what approach it wants to take here. I think the problem of testing and regular testing like they're doing is, in any cases, you're not going back to normal. So whether you have a lockdown, which will be a, a very abrupt shock, or no lockdown but ongoing threat of potentially being put in quarantine, that is going to be depressing demand, certainly for the short term and the medium term, and also seriously um, damage the uh, the consumer sentiment for the long term. So. 
at the end of the day, if there is really no change, um, even if with um, you know with state investment, it's like you're trying to run an engine with a with a bad cylinder. It's never going to go back to normal, and uh, eventually there will have to be some kind of adjustment to this policy. Well, Chinese consumer consentment is already shot to pieces, isn't it? It's at a historic low. The sub-indices measuring consumer satisfaction with current economic situation and expectations for the future, all at record lows. Um, even if, as you say, we, we don't have more lockdowns, but you have this ongoing cycle of testing, hard to see how that's going to rebound. Um, I, I think the rebound really depends on how they um, structure the quarantine. So now in Shanghai, the quarantine is 14 days. So can they shorten it to seven days? That will be uh, a bit helpful. But um, the government at this stage choose to be cautious um, than to, to growth. Um, I think when we when we pass like several months and having uh, this low teens cases every day, then they are more comfortable to to open further on the quarantine um, period. But for now, we can't see that. And and I agree with Sam that this actually dampens uh, consumer confidence and consumer spending in mm. action. Sam, once this is over. Does the Chinese government need to think about handing out money to consumers? So far, it's been about tax rebates, it's for businesses, rent rebates and so on. Does it need to put money into consumer pockets once this is over so that consumers can go and start spending and regain confidence? I'm not sure it's a question of giving money. I think it's really a question of confidence at this stage in the uh, medium-term perspective because there's still decent savings and people are effectively not spending. So. We are seeing in China what we've seen uh, two years ago and in the European countries and the US, like people were just not spending and when things started to reopen up and there was a lot more visibility, people, people were back at uh, you know, their usual lives. Now, again, I think at this stage the problem is more political and the balance between the economy and the, the healthcare problem they have. And it's anyone's guess uh, when they will be willing to start uh, mitigating those things. What do, what do you think, um, Iris? Do you think that they have got to follow maybe the European and the US model and at some point when consumers can get out, out and spend, they've got to help rebuild consumer confidence? Um, the first thing is that uh, consumer vouchers uh, doesn't work in, in economics terms. So it is like uh, transferring money from governments to consumers. So the government money can can use to on other things like infrastructure stimulus, which creates more jobs than than maybe just handing um, consumer vouchers. The other thing is that I agree with Sam that when everything returns to normal, people will start to return to their more normal lifestyles and therefore there should be a rebound in consumption by then. Um, did they work in Hong Kong? You, you, you say you don't like consumption vouchers. They did work to a certain extent in Hong Kong, didn't they? Mm, it is also a transfer of money phenomenon. Mm. Okay, so I mean that's pretty well how the Chinese government sees it, isn't it? They see it as sort of they just don't like this idea of what they perceive as being free money in the same way that maybe people do in the West. Mm, I I I wouldn't comment on that, but um, for from economic theories and from what we have seen in Japan, in Taiwan, and also in Hong Kong, it doesn't work very well, mm. um, and it is. It, 
and fiscal money can be used in other ways. Okay, Sam, let me ask you about the markets. Um, we've seen uh, U.S. stocks uh, down, was it eight out of the last nine weeks now? Um, people, investors' psyche seems to be changing, doesn't it? They're starting to get to realise that maybe for the first time uh, since the global recession, uh, we don't, we're not going to have low interest rates uh, and we're not going to have um, handouts and this sort of financial repression that we've been seeing. Do you think markets have fully factored that in yet? Uh, not yet. I think uh, we're still seeing some sectors valuations are quite high. I don't think the markets have completely factored the uh, inflation on the potential high cycle. I said that 2.95% on the uh, tenure is still, by historical standard, fairly benign. So there is, uh, I mean, we've seen a bounce because uh, obviously the markets were very one way for the last uh, for the last six weeks. So we've seen a bounce, but I think we potentially have more downside to uh, to test. I mean, we certainly haven't seen any kind of capitulation in the markets across sectors, which will which will mark the end of a of a bear market. I mean, we've had this long period where you could almost buy uh, buy anything, couldn't you? Because when um, interest rates are zero, it doesn't really matter. Um, but now fund managers have got to think a lot more carefully about uh, sort of winning companies and losing companies when there is a real cost of capital. Indeed, and uh, we still have this habit of, uh, you know, old habits die hard, so buying on dips. And until these habits are, you know, have been completely tested, I think uh, you will see, as I said, still see some more downside. Boris, we have got to get used to, uh, investors have got to get used to a new economic environment because it's not going to get uh, any easier, is it? Yeah, but um, I think um, the government is also helping to on on some sectors like the platform economies, um, meaning the e-commerce and also uh, e-media. So they they should be uh, we we should see uh, more relaxation of regulations on these companies, and therefore it should um, rebound from uh, this quarter. Okay, thank you both. You heard there, Iris Pang, Chief Greater China Economist at ING Wholesale Banking, Sam Favre, who's Chief Executive Officer at Mandarin Capital. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Times 8.25. On the phone from Beijing is Yan'an Wu, Yan'an Wu, Chairman of Zhenrong Bao. Morning, Yan'an. Morning, Peter. How are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. How are you in um, in Beijing? Are you seeing signs there also of uh, restrictions being lifted now? Yes, indeed. Uh, it's uh, actually a bit sunny uh, weather-wise uh, outside the office. And uh, in terms of the restrictions, the lockdown apparently has uh, uh, dramatically been reversed the policy uh, starting from this week, uh, both Beijing and Shanghai has, uh, you know, uh, basically loosened up the restriction policy. And for the COVID test policy-wise, uh, has changed from 48-hour, you know, COVID negative to 72-hour uh, COVID test negative for entering any public uh, uh, buildings. And, uh, and also the... the, the yeah, Are you able to, so can you freely go out? Can you go and dine in restaurants now in Beijing? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Actually, starting from today, the dining can be is open. So we can 
freely dine in the cafeteria, in the restaurant. So in the past uh, two or three weeks, it's basically uh, online orders, you know, day by day. Mm. And uh, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the office uh, staff-wise, you know, uh, the uh, in the past, Beijing has a, has a very strict, uh, you know, stay in the home uh, working policy. And for example, my office, my company has about 200 staff. And in the most restricted time week, uh, they only required five uh, percent of staff back to work. So, which means only ten people, ten staff back to work. So now, from that, uh, from last week, is you know rotation from A to A B shift of fifty percent. So this week, one hundred percent staff can be fully back to work. And uh, the schools, uh, middle schools, and the primary schools also back to school for the for this month. Uh, also this week. So can you give me a sense of the impact this has had on your business and other businesses in Beijing? Yeah, I think the most uh, uh, affected uh, the business is the so-called offline uh, business. Uh, for example, one of my uh, business uh, direction is the uh, so-called Hunan noodle business. Uh, uh, Chains, product, uh, food chains, and because the, the all the cafeterias in the buildings in the shopping mall closed, so our uh, the noodle uh, chain also closed for the period of time, and so the only uh, only rely upon the orders from uh, the e, uh, e uh, platform, and also there's another direction is the uh, uh, the student, uh, you know, the the uh, education, yeah. Uh, the training, education, train, education training in the shopping mall area were also closed. Mm. Uh, but otherwise, my my main business is online uh, fintech, so that's not affected. Uh, actually, it's uh, growing very well in the uh, uh, the east, southeast Asia, Asia and also uh, South Asia and Latin America as well. Yeah. And do you think? Um, business sentiments can rebound quickly and consumer sentiments and consumer spending rebound quickly um, now that restrictions are being lifted or do you think maybe some more long-term damage has been done and it's going to take a while now for, for that to get back to normal? Yeah, I think you point a very key word here, the sentiment or the, uh, the, the psychology of the business and entrepreneurs. I think that has been uh, affected quite a bit significantly, uh, especially in the uh, Shanghai and Jiangsu, Zhejiang province area. Uh, you know, the, the so-called threefold pressure uh, for the Chinese economy, according to the central government, which is supply shock, shrinkage of demand, and the weakening expectation. Uh, so all these uh, three shocks, uh, the, the pressure has not been changed. Uh, just because of the policy, uh, the COVID policy change. So the supply supply PPI size still has a big inflation uh, pressure, and also the demand. The demand the, after this uh, lockdown, the uh, the consumers' uh, sentiment has changed as well. They probably consume uh, less than what uh, prior to the COVID, the COVID restrictions. So the, the the demand is all more rational. So the demand is also shrinking, and third. Uh, pressure is the expectation, the risk appetite of social, the society also reduced. So I think all these uh, problems have to be tested 
for the, a bit longer term to see whether the uh, economy can rebound quickly, especially according to the uh, the uh, State Council, the Premier uh, Li uh, also mentioned in May along the new addition for the social loans could be negative. So people are reluctant to to borrow and and also for the enterprise as well. And also the the new uh, new amount of electricity generation power could be negative in May as well. So so this all could be contributed to the negative uh, impact for the economy in bond. The M2 grows in 10.5%, but the social uh, financing also reduced uh, significantly. Okay, so well, there's a gap between M2 and social financing, yeah. Thank you very much, Yanan, for that update. Sadly, we've run out of time. But that's Yanan Wu, Chairman of Zhengwong Bao. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Around the Asian Pacific markets, things are slipping. The SX200 in Australia off a third of percent. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is down about 0.4%. Markets in South Korea are closed uh, for a holiday. It does look like, though, the Hang Seng is going to move in the other direction and add about 100 points at the open this morning. I'll be back tomorrow morning with an update on all of that uh, at 8 o'clock on Money Talk. COVID updates coming up after the news with Jim Gordon and Mike Rouse. The weather forecast, hot with sunny intervals and few showers, isolated thunderstorms later. Uh, the maximum temperature will be about 31 degrees. The weather will be unsettled with occasional heavy showers and squally thunderstorms in the next few days. It's 29 degrees right now, 80% relative humidity. Times 8.32. Here's Ben Che with the half-hour news. Firefighters in Bangladesh, backed by troops, have been trying to control a huge fire at a container depot, which has been ablaze for more than a day. Officials say the fire has killed at least 49 people and injured hundreds near the eastern city of Chittagong. A number of explosions yesterday in chemical containers made the task of rescuers even more difficult. This report from the BBC's Akbar Hussein. This is a container depot and it is being used as a transit hub, different kind of export products. And some of the containers may have hydrogen peroxide, which is very high flammable material. And firefighters say that that might be the reason why fire was so huge and explosion was so huge, because they were trying to put off the fire with the water. And uh, experts say that when there is the presence of any hydrogen peroxide, water shouldn't be used. It only aggravates the situation. Locally, the finance sector lawmaker Chan Chongying says he expects the monetary authority to demand a detailed report from HSBC and its Hang Seng subsidiary on a glitch that left customers unable to withdraw cash at ATMs and access online banking services yesterday morning. Services went back online after about two hours. Francis Fong, the honorary president of the Hong Kong Information Technology Federation, says he believes the problem was linked to scheduled overnight maintenance. The financial institution, like those banks, they uh, normally will perform system maintenance uh, in the midnight of the weekend. So we guess probably because when the system maintenance has been done, uh, some of the system cannot be resumed services. So that's why it takes longer time for them to resume all the services. And that's why you see the uh, service interruption. Health authorities reported 515 new COVID infections yesterday, 42 of them imported. But the Center for Health Protection's Dr. Chuan Shokwan says the situation is relatively stable. 
the proportion of RAT, the rapid test positive cases, is much higher than the dose test positive by the PCR. And we also noted that at least a proportion of them, they have been tested negative after we check with the PCR. But all in all, I mean, even we added those tested positive in PCR and RAT, we noted that the actual number seems to be increasing a bit over the past few days. But we also monitor the hospital mission and also the proportion of the severe and death, etc. So we have not observed any changes yet. And that's the news from RTHK. 